Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Today we're going to talk to John Greenberg, the columnist. Do you have a fancy title other than columnist? No, I think they still list it as editor-in-chief, but I'm not editor of Jack anymore. So um, edit my own stuff, I guess, when I before I send it into an actual editor. All right. Well, John Greenberg of The Athletic. So welcome, John. What's up, man? What's happening? Oh, things are great. So there was there was big news, I guess Sunday night, right before the sports Emmys. Sports. <laughs> I, I saw people tweet about that. Yeah. The, was that like, did people like know that was on? No. <laughs> Apparently, what happened was so this the Pete Thamel story on ESPN.com about the Big Ten TV network or the Big Ten deals with CBS and um, NBC, in addition to the to the extending the one they have with Fox. Um, he wrote a story that they hadn't been wrapped up and it's only three months away and it came out like while people were queuing up to go into the sports Emmys and apparently it was the talk of the sports Emmys <laughs> okay. as if anybody really cares the gist of it is the uh, the seven billion dollar TV deal that the Big Ten worked out with those um, three entities uh, isn't done yet and so everybody immediately pointed fingers at new Bears president Kevin Warren and like look he screwed it up and now he's come to the Bears where they screw everything up and he's going to screw up the stadium and it's like well yeah but I don't, yeah, think, of course. I don't think because of this so the gist of it is the 7 billion dollar deal there were a few things that hadn't been ironed out with the schools which honestly the reason he's a bear now is how would you like to have to work with 14 university presidents and athletic directors? No. Terrible. No, they can't decide on anything. So there's two issues apparently at play. One is there's um, Notre, Notre Dame's still going to do afternoon and a few evenings on NBC, but the Big Ten is going to be like the Saturday night package on NBC most of the time. Well, it turns out that uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State – 
don't want to play at night in November. <laughs> and they're like, well, you got you kind of got to do because we're not putting Illinois Rutgers on NBC. <laughs> and so they're th- they were threatening not to do that. And so that was one thing that hadn't been ratified. The other one was, and this gets really complicated, at least I think I understand it now. The Big Ten Network technically owns all the games. Every game. And then they are then dispersed to their other partners. I guess that makes sense. They have to live somewhere. And then with part of the deal, some go to Big Fox, some are going to go to CBS, some are going to go to NBC. Well, that includes the Big Ten championship game. And in this deal, NBC and Fox are going to split the championship games. You know, one year it's on Fox, one year it's on NBC. Well, Fox owns quite a bit of the Big Ten network. Yeah. And they were like, no, we don't want NBC to have the title game. So that still has to be negotiated. There's another hoop to jump through. And basically, all it really means is Fox wants, this will shock you, they want some money in the years that NBC goes on NBC. Oh, so then the the Big Ten's got to pay them back or something, right? They have to work out some kind of financial arrangement for the years it's not going to be on Fox. Um, but it just cracked me up that it was in Chicago. It was, oh my God, look, they hired a, they hired a dope. <laughs> he screwed this well, up. Like, I mean, like college, those college football presidents and ADs like couldn't wait for Kevin Moore to leave. Yeah. They pushed him out. I mean, that was like the talk is they were pushing him out the door. Um, you know, and it's a very much like a Chicago thing almost like don't send nobody that nobody sent. You know, that's kind of how they felt about Kevin Warren. They're like, who's this guy? He's not yeah. one of us. So, like, I'm on the fence. Like, I don't think Kevin Warren's, like, some kind of genius. Like, he didn't actually build the Viking Stadium with his bare hands, nor do I think he's, like, some kind of doofus because, you know, the people, you know, the ADA from Minnesota doesn't like him or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – I have such, like, a dim view of people in college sports because I don't cover it. And, like, my only experience really covering college sports was, like, in the MAC, and then doing, like, occasional Northwestern games. So, like, I just don't think people in college sports are, like, people that cover college sports think college sports is, like, the be-all, end-all of, like, of sports. But then you go to, like, when you cover the pros, everyone just kind of laughs at college sports. Like, that's what I love about it. Like, when you, if you go to an NBA game during the NCAA tournament, they're all just making fun of the NCAA (laughs) tournament. You know, because this is, like, no one can make shots. Like, I always think back to, like, the first NBA game I ever covered was here. It was actually LeBron's first game uh, in Chicago for the Cavs. And I saw my old friend Brian Windhorst, who I covered the MAC with when I was in college. And he was, like, either graduating college or just out. And he was like, you know what the difference between the NBA and college is? He's like, the fourth power forward on any NBA team is, like, a better shooter than every guy in the MAC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the I watch less and less college basketball as years go on. And so I find now the the NCAA tournament is jarring to me because it's mysteries, it's missed like, layups and yeah, charges. Just, I always forget how much fun I mean, or how much refs love to call charges in college basketball. Yeah. And I I honestly think it's because the charge call is cooler to give. You, yeah, know, you, you get to do the hand behind the head and this thing instead of like the choppy thing at your waist which is kind of awkward yeah i mean like i love the tournament because you never know what's going to happen the reason you never know what's going to happen is you don't know what college kids are going to do in the clutch they might make a heroic three or they might just like you know bounce the ball off the scorekeeper yeah like you have no clue so but yeah anyway that's my i just like i don't trust what college people say but at the same time like anyone that bears higher you should have a healthy skepticism yeah this is somebody who, somebody who wants to work with for the McCaskies. Right. And, like, I mean, just like anyone going in there. Like, I just wrote another, ju- my, you know, umpteenth Justin Fields column. Like, I, I think Justin Fields could be good, and I also think he might not be good. You know, I mean, like, it's quarterback's the toughest job in sports, and, like, who knows? I, I have no clue. Like, the fact that I should be more skeptical of him just from the fact that, you know, Brian, Brian Pace drafted that should like make me a lot more skeptical than I am. Well, Ryan Poles clearly 
still has that same skepticism. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, obviously, it's what you want to get when you trade the number one pick. But them having two number ones next year gives them the collateral they need if they're like, Justin's not the guy. They can, they're not going to be, I can't imagine they'll be bad enough to pick number one, but they can move up and try to get a guy. And and the Panthers could be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, this is it. Like, we're not exaggerating when we say, like, this is a huge third year for him. I don't know. Somebody from Carolina posted, they just posted pictures of the first mini camp. And it's jarring to see how small Bryce Young is. Like, it's almost hilarious. He yeah. looks like um, somebody immediately said, is, is that a Make-A-Wish kid <laughs> out on the field with the Panthers? <laughs> it doesn't mean he won't well, be you, good. You know what's I, funny? It's just... No, but, like, it's, that's, a, that's a pretty big obstacle, though. Yeah. Like, and the funny thing about fields I wrote about today is just, like, because Tremaine Edmonds said it yesterday, and I noticed a lot of guys say this, and I thought of it, too, Whenever you see Justin Fields in person, you're like, man, he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. I said he's like the anti-Dalton from Roadhouse. You know, where everyone, everyone said, everyone, I, I pulled a little Bill Simmons today with that uh, with that line. But, like, you know, th- there's that super cut of everyone telling Dalton they thought he'd be bigger. Yeah. I just think Fields has that baby face. Yeah. I think that's what does. Yeah, yeah I, just watching him, I'll forget. And then he'll just run over some dude. And you'll be like, oh, that's right. Yeah. He's not just the fastest player on the field. He's, he's you know, he's, he's one like of the six, bigger. Three, two and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, the upshot of the Kevin Warren thing is it sounds right now like the, the, the renegotiation that they might have to do with NBC, because they've apparently talked the three big, those three big schools out of just eliminating the possibility of playing night games is – they may have to give back $70 million, which, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's a $7 billion contract. Right. And it's I mean, over, a... what, it'll be 16 schools, right, when the California schools come in two years? Or the right. next year? So, God. It's... That's a funnier thing that, that Kevin Warren did that. I think that's hysterical that he was part of this, to put UCLA and USC. See, I wonder, here's the thing I wonder about that. And if it's going to change, I've, I've thought about this for a while. Like, when are they going to get to the point where it's just like football and basketball super conferences, and then like all the other sports just play regional schedules? Yeah. Like, it's it's legitimately insane for people for like the women's soccer team or like you know field hockey to go from like California to like State College for for a game in front of like parents. There was there was an assumption after that there was another shoe that would drop after USC and UCLA, like maybe the Oregon schools. But the idea that there would they could create like a little division within the Big Ten that would be out on the right. West Coast, but they didn't haven't done that. Um, it, yeah, but the SEC I... is enormous. It's about to get Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so really, but the SEC is eventually going to swallow up the ACC, right? You would think. Or something. You would think there's gonna be some kind of, or, or Big Ten ACC is gonna have some kind of. So really, all you'd need for college, for college sports would be um, the the Big Ten, however many, you know, when it gets to twenty or whatever, the SEC ACC combo, and then something on the West Coast, and then the MAC. Right, those could be the your Mac big. Those could be your big conferences. Right, exactly. You know, plan right. for all, and then everybody else can play for the little stuff. But exactly, NIU and Ohio the can play in the Orange Bowl, and the make Perkersburg mad. The Mac should absorb every directional school. Like, if you have a direction in your name, you should have to play for the Mac. Is that why? Is that why your alma mater is so haughty about it all? Because no yeah, direction. We're just, just we're we're a you know, we are the Ohio University. Exactly. Like, but it's funny because everyone obviously you know you say Ohio University and they say oh Ohio State you know to be like well no actually in 1804 we were founded before Ohio State. Um, and there was like when I was there, there was like the stupid lawsuit over the name Ohio. That was like a big story when I was like a freshman or sophomore. Like they were suing Ohio State, maybe suing us, or we were suing Ohio State for the right of the you know use of Ohio. And like the school wouldn't, they wouldn't, didn't want us calling it OU. They want us calling it Ohio. Um, it was a lot. We had to, you know, Chuck Swirsky had to fight someone. Yeah, I would imagine. Bob Brenly. Bob Brenly, yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we got Mike Schmidt. You can get a whole like, uh, yeah. you get a whole mob assembled. Yeah, Brennan spoke to my class when I was like a junior because he was getting his degree. Oh, wow. um, yeah, he he got his degree late. Matt Lauer also got his degree late. Another, oh, a lot of a lot of a lot of disgraced broadcasters. That's great. <laughs> there should yeah, Mariotti, Did Glenn Kuiper go to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, he visited. <laughs> Well, it's the other thing about the NFL that's amazing is that they somehow made an event out of releasing the schedule that we already know. Like we don't know all we don't know is the order. Like we know who they're playing and if it's home or away, and, and they somehow turn this into this two-day thing where they trickle out the news. And, and you know what's funny is it really, really kind of fucks. Like fans use it. There is some usefulness for fans because people that want to take a road trip. Yeah. You know, plan it, and then that. But the whole schedule release fucks them because the airlines just like watch it and jack up the price immediately. Like as soon as the schedule's released, like I heard a lot of people saying that about like Vegas flights. I think for the Steelers or just for other random teams, like flights are immediately like jacked up as soon as they, as soon as they put it out there. So like, yeah, it's and you know hotel rooms and things like that all get priced out. But that's the only value of it is that people that want to take a road trip you know, a guy's trip to watch the Bears lose somewhere. Yep. You know, they, they can plan it that way. When they announced months ago that um, they were changing the rules so that teams could play on Thursday night more than once, I immediately knew the Bears were going to have two Thursday night games. I knew it. Oh, and the reason for it was, A, they're a draw, but B, yeah. the, 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 the risk all was of putting the Bears in prime time is you put them up against – a team you know is going to be good, and then the Bears aren't good that year, and then they get you end up with a bad game. But the Thursday night matchups are usually, eh. So right. you give the Bears the Commanders again, and you're going to get a big rating, and those teams are incapable of blowing each other out. So you're going to have right. we saw it last year. They oh, they were almost incapable of scoring. Oh yeah, and I mean like, and the great thing about putting the Bears in, in a in a primetime game is it's already like pre-produced, right? Like they have the shots of the beam, yeah. you know, they have the statues, the lion statues outside the, uh, the art Institute or whatever they are. Um, they have all the stuff they do, but they have the quarterback, uh, graphic, you know, picture of Sid Luckman, you know, they've got the narratives. I mean, the bears are such an easy narrative team because of Justin Fields. Now, you know, it's taken the place of Trubisky and Cutler and all these guys who are just like really easy to argue about. Um, so yeah, I mean, between the shots you can get and the new stadium talk, I mean, I, the bears are like the perfect primetime team because it's not even about the closeness of the game. It's just about the establishing shots they want to use and like the easy narrative to fill time in between incompletions. Yeah. Yeah. We can do a graphic of fields running. If he, you know, is he faster than like Devin right. Hester or something? Um, yeah, and the other Thursday night game is the Panthers. So then you can maybe they'll be duking That's, it out for the number one pick again. Exactly. What a great what a great storyline. Yeah. You know, when is that game? I forget. That's later. It's week isn't ten, it? November 9th. Yeah, so that's good too, because then it's like you'll have an idea of like, are the Panthers awful? You know, the Bears need to win this. Yeah. Like what a you know, a doubly important game. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's lose. return. Andy Dalton's return. So that'll be important. <laughs> He's QB one again. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he like he's not. Frank Reich is no dummy. He's not. Andy is not going to make it to week one as QB one. But uh, right, that waste of uh, yeah. It's easy money though. I like how Trubisky is kind of is totally. I think he's like now bought into being a backup. Like he was like happy to resign with Pittsburgh, yep. get a little extra money. He's like, this is the He's perfect, like totally. This is a perfect place for me. Yes, it's the place that is offering you a contract. That's the perfect right. place for you. <laughs> <Mitch. laughs> like, I think I wonder if now he's like just bought into like, yeah, that's it for me. Like, someone got through to him that like, buddy, you're just not. It's like, yeah, you, you'll probably still probably be a season where you start most of the games somewhere before you retire. You'll have one or two of those, but like, this is your life, man. It's easy money. If you follow like his Instagram or his wife's Instagram, it's like I think she does like a photo shoot a week, 
with them and their kids. So like <laughs> pay for the photo shoots. Yep. You look good in them because you're not getting beat up. Right. And what a great life. He's going to have an awesome life. Thanks to, especially thanks to Ryan Pace who paid him so much money that he's set for life yep. just off that contract. And he played with Chase Daniel. I mean, what, what better guy to teach you? What an incredible, that the best job in the NFL is second is the backup far superior yeah, I mean, to being the starter. Yeah, if you're not really good, it's the best job. If you're really good, yeah, it's it, being a starting quarterback is fucking great. Yeah. I mean, you're like king of the town. You're, you're yeah. multi, multi, multi millionaire. But he's not Joe Burrow, you know. He's, he's, he's not? like, no, I guess he's not. No. Do you see they're bringing the emergency quarterback back? Yeah, what? A, that's great too. I didn't even realize. All of a sudden, it was just gone. Yeah, because I remember yeah, like the quarterback got hurt, and like, what are these going to happen if the backup gets hurt? I'm like, well, they got the emergency quarterback. Like, no, they don't have that anymore. Like, why? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't cost that much. How much is you know? It's like a, it, it, right? It makes it's one of those things where NFL owners probably just want to save. Like, yeah. how can we save two hundred thousand dollars? I mean, honestly, the fact that they have in, inactive players on game day is the dumbest thing ever. The roster yeah. isn't that big anyway. And you, guys, you say, all right, here's eight guys that just can't play today. Why? Nah, for reasons. The The reason that they gave was there were too many substitutions. What? No, the reason was you wanted to prorate the contracts of those guys, and they get a lesser rate if they're inactive than they are if they're I don't Actually, I don't even know if they do that. I'm sure they do. I'm almost positive the NFL worked this out where the emergency quarterback only gets paid if there's an emergency. He's just like on standby. It's like he's like the uh, the hockey goalie, right? Where you just have yeah. to be like kind of get to be at the game. Yeah, they should just have him and sit the, like in the front row, in street clothes. And unless if the starter comes out, then you come down, put this, put the gear on just in case. He has to. Sit, he should have to sit with us in the press box because, <laughs> like, the hockey goalies do. They're on like a different side of the press box, but they're up there. Yeah. You guys yeah, can the, the emergency. Guys. You guys can hang emergency with me, Nathan Peterman all year. Yeah. Nathan Peterman chef, and he should have to eat the shitty food they give you at the field. <laughs> the worst, that is the worst press box food. I guess George McCaskey was like just chit chatting with Bears reporters last year about like, I think possibly about the new stadium, you know, what a new stadium would entail or something. They they got to talk about food, and he goes, "Whoa, how's our food rate?" <sighs> and I think I think Weeder told him he's like it's bottom four and it's not three or four. He said something like, and George was like very surprised. And then George did nothing about upgrading. I feel like it was a little better this year. You know what's funny is like during the COVID season, not 2020, obviously like there was no there was no one there. So they, they did provide like box food and we were happy with that. Whatever. It's 2020. 2021, they still did the box food or they did like pre-packed. They did like maybe least, like a burger that wrapped probably or had something. Some left. Right. <laughs> they did something like they, they did provide us lunch and it was like maybe like a sandwich that was wrapped, like a hot sandwich. But they weren't providing pre-game food like breakfast hmm. and they were the i think the only team in the nfl that wasn't yeah. they would just they put out like the, the wrapped like pre-packaged like muffins you get at a gas station nice and uh i just it was and, you know, otis spunkmeyer is good enough for you right. he was right it was like low grade it was below otis spunkmeyer levels <laughs> but like other teams reporters would come in like we didn't care because we live here you can eat before but like the other team's reporters would come in and be like, "Wait, what the hell? Why is there no food?" And we're like, "Ah, welcome to Chicago." We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. The um, the guy in charge of NFL scheduling is Mike North. Oh, not, maybe not, helps. Yep, not not that Mike North. A guy named Mike North, <clears throat> and he was on. What Peter- if it was, it was real Mike North though, and his wife, and like Fred Hubner, and be- like. Like the whole gang would get together and make the Just schedule. Sitting around in Pappy Land, <laughs> slapping magnets on the <laughs> on the wall. How's this look? We've got an entire Sunday in November without any games. Everybody can have it off. The rest <laughs> of the schedule's right. Screw it. 
<laughs> when I was running the hot dog stand, we took Sundays off. It's like, all right, Mike, that's not, no. Um, he was on Peter Schrager's podcast. I heard him on Jimmy Traina. Um, and on both, he made a case for basically saying, we really hope the Bears are good. Because <laughs> yeah. we gave them a lot of games. And they, I noticed on the schedule, they also gave put them in spots where, um, like, they have some TBAs on those. There's this weird federal law against, um, do you know the NFL is, like, prohibited from playing on, they can't play on Fridays. Right. Like, um, well, I guess there's a date, like, until December. That's why they're going to do the Black yeah, Friday game. Black Friday. And then they can't play on Saturday. It's to protect, the, the Fridays is to protect high school football. And then the Saturdays was to protect college football. So, but they've got a couple bizarre. of. Hmm? That's bizarre. That still exists. Yes, it is. Especially you would think Roger Goodell could get rid of that in ten yeah, minutes. He scared me. Like, who is the high school football czar that's protecting high school football? I don't know. Well, maybe uh, maybe Adam Hogue would arrange like a class action lawsuit of all the car- of all the Carmel coaches, and they would <laughs> sue the NFL. We're taking on the well, NFL. The whole- they can't. The head coach of Carmel is now the Bears radio sideline reporter. That's Jason right. McKee. Jason McKee. Uh, but there's a couple of weekends where the Bears are TBA Saturday or Sunday. So they're still leaving the option open. Like, you know, if the Bears are good, we could give them one of those standalone Saturday games. People will watch that. Oh, yeah. I love Saturday NFL games. And they maybe don't even have to be good. They just have to be, like, fun. Interesting. Like, right. if, if Justin Fields is good again... And the offense scores points. The NFL's like, screw it. We don't care if they win. People just this will just be fun to watch. Right. But you just uh, gotta be healthy. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, I mean, you don't want to settle down for a Saturday afternoon watch PJ Walker <laughs> sling it around <laughs> Soldier Field. I was there yesterday and uh, I was talking about it. I was like, who's the first person to write the PJ Walker like feature on like what you know how important he is to like Justin Fields and like. You know, he's a critical part of the team. And then a quote from Fields, like, yeah, he's cool. And then Getsy's like, oh, yeah, he's a pro. And then that's it. Uh, longest touchdown pass of the season last year, P.J. Walker to D.J. Moore. See, there you go. He went to Temple, right, and played for Matt Rule. I think that's how he ended up in Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. I, like I said, great job. And it's one of those where they're like, well, see, this makes sense because you need a backup who is similar athletically to the starter so you can run the same plays. I'm like, right. okay, let's stand Justin and PJ next to each other and let's see if you think you can run the same plays with PJ that <laughs> you can yeah, run right. with Justin. Okay, PJ, we're going to run the same plays, just none of the running. Okay. okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> How is that any different than last year with Trevor Simeon? It's not. Okay. <laughs> but I like the, it's the thought that counts, I guess. We still got Peterman and the guy from Shepard. Yeah. Who set all kinds of records. Well, yeah. You ever, you ever, have you ever been to Shepard? I've never been. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know where Shepard is. Maybe I, I went to. We went to dinner once there. I think it was on campus in Shepardstown. My stepdad had friends who lived in that area of West Virginia. So I have been on wow. campus. It was like a historic restaurant that like dates back to like the 1800s or something so like i remember being there once in the summer but that's my only shepherd uh experience i'll talk about it with him one day i'm sure yeah. i mean i would guess he'll probably be on the practice squad i mean the pra- they 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 grew the practice squad for the COVID and they never shrunk it so yeah, it's great money for those guys yeah. Free money if you can get it. Uh, the other thing that the NFL just did, they had a big vote. They had to get 24 votes to pass, uh, giving, um, making it possible to flex Thursday night football games. And it passed with 24 votes. I wonder who the holdout was. Because they, they postponed the vote from March to the May meeting because it wasn't going to pass. And George did vote against it. Yeah, and... Um... It was like George. I think the Steelers voted against it. Um, someone who else was pissed? I think the Giants the were pissed. Did. Most of, I, maybe the entire NFC North, because they. I think they all thought they were gonna get flexed out. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be embarrassing. No, we don't want to do that. I think the Giants were the ones that were pissed about it. 
Um, it was. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mara uh, was organizing it. And as we know, George only talks to the Maras and the Roonies. So if they told George they don't like it, he's not going to vote for it. Right. George is not, he's not taking his cues from Jerry Jones. George should have traded the, he should have been the 24th vote and he would have traded it for uh, them never, ever having to get, get asked again to be on hard knocks. Right. Like put it in the thing, put it in the charter. The bears don't have to do hard knocks. Um, we do 1920 Hallis drive. It's the same thing. It is actually, it's kind of good though. That's what people, I don't watch it. Yeah. But I would like it. I won't, I can't say I tune in religiously, but the ones I've seen, I'm like, you know, that was pretty good. I I don't understand why they're afraid of being on hard knocks. Like the fans wouldn't love it. Of course we would. Yeah. I guess I don't know if they're. George's like, they're going to make us look like boobs. You guys look like boobs anyway. What's the difference? I yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I have no. I think. I think that's just it. It's the fear of looking like boobs. It has to be. But with Kevin, this would be the perfect year because you have Kevin Warren. He likes to talk. Well, you know, I don't think they ever want to put Ted on there. <laughs> you know, Ted's not uh, made for TV kind of. And you knew who knows what Ted would have said. Yeah. So one thing about Ted is he'll spout off and just like he's so dismissive. I mean, he's been shit on for like twenty some years yeah. by everyone in the media. So like, I get it. Um, but yeah, like Kevin Warren's just like a natural bullshitter. Yep. So he'd be good for it. Eberflus is super coachy, yep. coach speaky. Justin would be pretty bad, I feel like. He's just, he's kind of funny. I was trying to think yesterday, like, because our questions are all rambling and vague. And like, um, <laughs> he like always is like, what do you mean by that? And I, I'm, I'm always curious, is he just like not paying attention? Or like, is he just really being like pushed back? Like, that's not a question. Ask me a question. Because he's, I asked him, I had a really awkward one a couple of years ago that I wanted to ask in private because it was for a feature, but they, of course, you know, the Bears could not help with that. Right. There's no way. There's no way for me to ask a quarterback a question. Whereas, which I always think is the funniest part about covering the NFL. Like, I was thinking about this years ago. Like, I covered Derrick Rose, who was like the best, the MVP of the league that year, right? I mean, so famous. He would like, if you're by his locker, be like, hey, man, you need anything? Yeah. Like, can I give you something one-on-one? He would – I mean, the total dregs of the media would be there after the game, and he would sit and answer questions from like every person who really doesn't have a job. And then – but they, yet none of us could talk to Jay Cutler, who sucked, like one-on-one, yeah. because, no, he's an NFL quarterback. Sorry. Are you saying that's how Pat Benkowski got all those interviews with Derek Rose? With Derek Rose? Yeah, that's, like, a good example. Like, yeah, Pat Benkowski for his YouTube show. Derek would be like, yeah, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Pat, I only have 45 minutes. <laughs> but like god forbid someone needs like i remember i mean the whole re- remember when rick riley like skewered cutler before the yeah. championship and like riley had asked bears pr if he could get a one-on-one and you think they would be like yeah uh-huh. we'll give you 10 minutes nope sorry can't give it to rick riley at espn still a big deal at that time well we can't do that so anyway, that's my rant on that and Fields. But Fields, I, I mean, we, we had a bet yesterday with some of the TV people of whether or not he would smile at all during <laughs> his talk because he's just like very like focused and stern. And, and uh, I think it was Cassie Carlson bet that he would smile awkwardly answering like a dumb question or like a weird question. He would have like an awkward smile during his answer. And that she won. She she won a money, but she won my. Uh, appreciation i noticed the bears had a tweet showing some of the guys fields dj Moore. i forget who else but there were four guys at least who had the the big tinted shields on their face masks which look cool yeah and they can't wear in games because um the i don't know if it, maybe the refs are supposed to look to see if you're a little glassy eyed <laughs> drooping <in>. yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah that's awesome why do they have those on that's great you know what was great about the OTAs yesterday is almost all, I feel like, of Fields' reps were on the field, like, farthest from the side of the field, farthest from us, where we were allowed to stand. So we couldn't really see. You could see it, but not really. Wouldn't, wouldn't he, him and DJ Moore wouldn't confirm if they've played catch? That was unbelievable. That's like, hey, if you guys play catch, anything outside the building, I can't say. What? Just like, what do you mean you can't say? That's just, like, one of the most absurd, like, I can't tell you that. So anyway, the um, 
the reason for I think fans get the flex scheduling the purpose of it wrong. It's not to flex like the best game of the week to Monday night football or Sunday night football. It's to flex out a terrible game. Yeah. Right. And so the Thursday night one, they can do up to two. Um, if they don't do any, then they can automatically, then the flex carries over to 24. If they do one, then it has to get voted on again. But here are the games that would be eligible for flexing. And I would, I feel pretty comfortable what seven months out six five I can't do math I think only one of them is it going to even be a possibility first one is Seattle Dallas you're never going to flex out of a cowboy game no matter what the record no, is never. no no never New England Pittsburgh never that's like a great game Chargers Raiders Mm, yeah, you might, but probably not because of, as long as uh, what's his name? If playing? Justin Herbert is upright, yeah, that yeah. game's on. Plus, um, Al's is gonna, it in Vegas? Yeah, and Al's going to want to go to Vegas, so Al is yeah. going to veto it. Like, yes, nope, exactly. I'm going. They want to show the Vegas Stadium. They love it. Saints Rams. Yeah, that's possible. That's the one. And then the last one is Jets Cleveland. And if if Aaron Rodgers is ambulatory, oh, yeah. they're not flexing out of that. No. So all that hubbub, there's probably one possibility of a flex game. And they have to do it a month ahead of time. Yeah, so it's not it's, to give, right. It's, to give fans a chance to change their tickets. Was I think it was Florio who was like, I can't believe they would do this after the schedule release because fans couldn't take the possibility of this into account when they were buying tickets. How would you how would you do it? Because he was talking right, about, right. he was talking, you, you don't know what game is going to be flexed to Thursday. You're just supposed to look at these six weeks as a fan base. Oh, I don't know. I better not buy this ticket because they might move it to Thursday night and I can't buy it. You can't, it doesn't matter. You can't account for it. Right. So. Yeah. At least the airlines don't charge like uh, change fees anymore. So. Honestly, don't you think the NFL could like work out a deal with the airlines? Work out some kind of special did, yeah. Thursday night flex thing where fans can get their change fees you know waived yeah yeah and i think the nfl just doesn't care no they don't i hate to break it to fans the 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 people that the nfl thinks about least are the actual fans who go into the stadium they want you to be they would rather you stay home and watch it on tv than actually go into the stadium right they just want you to gamble yes and you need to be able to access your DraftKings account wherever you are Let's talk some White Sox. What's up with the White Sox? Yeah. Do they still have you a got team? Some thoughts. Yeah, uniforms and everything. Yeah. They're beating Cleveland right now. How about that? That what's a, what's a worse division? The AL, the AL Central, or the NL Central? Oh, it's the AL Central because the uh, <laughs> because the Cardinals are going to win the NL Central by like six games, twelve games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was funny. Sam Fells and I like raced to the to our laptops. We both simultaneously wrote shit on the Cardinals while they're still bad columns, and we both got it yeah. in like three days before they came to Chicago. Everybody knew that the, coming to Wrigley would immediately fix St. Louis, and it did. I, I wrote I wrote that column. Um, I was writing it the day of that first game when Wilson came back, and they, even though they won, even though the Cardinals won, I'm like, all right, well, you know, they won this game, but now's the time to beat the Cardinals while they're down. And, Cubs are like three and eight cents. Yep. Yeah, I had a lot of Twitter fights that the couple days before that. I just didn't want Cub fans to boo Wilson. I didn't ask for much before his first at bat. Just right. Get, we, I know. I know fans were still tired from the series of standing ovations they had to give him at the end, right before the trade deadline last year. <laughs> but it's like, just get polite applause when he comes up the first time. Then he can boo yeah. the shit out of him. Because he's a cardinal, yeah. but don't preemptively. They're like, because this whole idea. I, I guess the the thing that it pissed me off were the fans were like, he he didn't have to sign with the Cardinals. He didn't show any loyalty to the Cubs. Number one, the Cubs didn't try to re-sign him. That's no. the, that's who didn't show any loyalty. Were the Cubs? The Cardinals gave him eighty-seven and a half million dollars. Were you supposed to turn it down? It's like, the Cubs like Cubs were trying to drive his value down by telling everyone how much he's how much they all hate him. Boog. Um, was going when he was talking about how oh it was, no it was JD it was like 
talking about Wilson, you know, it, you know, then there was a narrative that got started by somebody that he didn't he didn't handle pitchers well or that he couldn't call. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, the narrative was started by people in your own building. That's who they started it. Yeah. The pitch lab right. guys got started it because they're so defensive. Anytime a pitcher doesn't work out great. And the other thing was, I know this was true, they took so much shit for trading all the other core pieces off. They were kind of like preemptively like getting the fans ready for Wilson. And then they couldn't believe when they tried to trade him. Other teams are like, that's the dude that can't call pitches? Or that's the dude that like springs out behind home plate like it's a pitch out when it's on a on a 3-2 pitch and costs his pitcher a strikeout and it's a walk? And they're like, well, yeah, but here, give us something good for him. It's like, oh, for Christ's right. sakes. We were joking at the time that that was like, the whole situation with the Cardinals, like benching them and the weirdness, how they wouldn't, uh, whatever. We were like, it's a very like White Sox thing to do. And then we, someone said, yeah, but the White Sox would just keep starting him at catcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Cardinals fixed him in a week. Amazing. <laughs> they decubbed him in seven days. <laughs> what a weird ass story. That was weird. That was by far, that yeah. was like unlike the Cardinals to be that strange in the way they did it. I definitely think they just wanted to like, because he's so stubborn. And that's the thing about Wilson is he is very stubborn. Yeah. I think they wanted to like really shock his system. Like, you're going to listen to us now about how to do this. Yeah. And he was like so embarrassed he had to. Yeah. And, I mean, it was completely predictable. That's, it's the worst possible place for him just because he's replacing Yachty and St. Yachty and he was never going to be good enough. And then there was a bunch of other stuff. There was the fact that um, he shows up for camp and he's ready to like work with all these new pitchers. And the Cardinals literally sent like 18 guys to the world baseball classic. So they're all gone. He can't work with them. They show back up again. And now this is the year with the pitch clock. So you have, your mound visits are even more limited than normal. The amount of time you have to like sort shit out during at bats is almost non-existent. You know, it was a it was a perfect storm for it to go sideways, and it did. But oh, but the Cardinal way, they they fixed him. Everything will be great. Um, until two weeks from now, when the other the other dirty secret is their pitching is not very good. So it, they'll get it'll be right. bad again, and they'll get lit up, and it'll be Wilson's fault again, and he'll have to have to give him another darkness retreat for seven days. I mean, sit in your DH box. They even showed they made him, like, he had to, like, stand next to the pitching coach. Like, while the Cardinals were, you know, while the Cardinals were in the field. Almost like he was, like, being tutored. It's like, oh, for Christ's sakes. Um, So over at your place, I know Ken Rosenthal wrote a column about pitcher, managers on the hot seat. And, um. Right. David Ross not on not on the hot seat. No. And it makes me wonder does a David Ross hot seat even exist? Is there one in storage that the Cubs could ever bring out? Because I just can't imagine there ever is. Here's, here's how it'll happen. It'll be because he gets pissed at them for like the roster, right? You know, whether it's, you know, his prize bullpen or something like it's going to be an issue where he gets pissed about the losing or like the pieces he's given. And then that starts. Then I think the sheen kind of rubs off the relationship. He's pissed at them and they get pissed at him for being pissed at them. And that's how relationships fissure. I mean, listen, they were never like close to Madden like this, like they are to Ross. But like the Madden stuff cooled uh, from what I heard, like, I mean, they had they hit it pretty well for about a year and then it, it a year and a half and then it just like completely you know they were just so tired of joe yeah and joe was tired of them and like that's how i think it could really and ross is old school so like i, I think there's possibilities i could see it happening i don't think it's happening yet i, I think really the one reason and the one way they would get really sick of him would be he's got to fail in like an important moment you know, it's got to be sometime where it's actually cost them something. So he's, just... he's got a Grady Little his way out of town, basically. Yeah, or like the way, I mean, to a lesser degree, Rick Renteria in 2020, when he got into that little playoff situation in Oakland and he had no freaking clue what to do yeah. in that last game. And, you know, and then he was immediately fired. So, like, 
Right. You have to grade Littlewood. I think that's probably the best where it's just like, all right, we can't handle this. Now, maybe we'll, maybe maybe David Ross will rise to the occasion when they actually play meaningful baseball. But it's kind of funny, though, just to see the, you know, the, the mounting, like, criticism of it. And people are like, oh, do you, do you read what's said on Twitter? Like, why would he read – why would yeah. manager read what people are saying on Twitter about him? What matters is, like, the people – like I said, Jed and Carter and the gang and, and their – baseball operations box at Wrigley when they just shit on every decision a manager makes, like when that becomes a big thing for them. Yeah. Ross hasn't been on Twitter since he had to beg everybody to vote for him on dancing with the stars. That's the last exactly. time he was on Twitter. Instagram. It's a little Instagram, but he, I don't know if he, he had a, he had a girlfriend who worked on Chicago fire, right? Or Chicago people. One of the Chicago, one of, one of the Chicago, Chicago fire and BPD. Right, I haven't seen him post about each other, so I don't know if that's not going on anymore. But he was like, he, yeah, he was, he would post occasionally, you know, like "I love you" type stuff on on Instagram, which is kind of funny to see, like a major league manager. He does the too. same stuff for Nick Madrigal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing I can't quite figure out is, I mean, clearly one of the reasons, not not all the reasons, but one of the reasons the the Cubs wanted a malleable manager. They yeah. wanted, when they came up with their brilliant lineup suggestion, they wanted a manager who would actually use it. And when they come up with the blueprint for the bullpen usage that day, they wanted a manager that would use it. And I don't like that because it, it makes it very unclear to me how mad I should be uh, when I see right. the lineup. Like, who, what asshole's batting Christopher Morrell ninth? Is it Carter or is it Ross? I demand to know why the hottest hitter in baseball is batting ninth tonight. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Also, I will like to say though, like Morel's awesome. The Cubs, I think, are like four and eight with him in the lineup. So yeah, I think they, it just shows uh, all the other problems. All the other problems with the team. I believe they are three and eight when him and well, him and, because Morel homers every day. Both times Mervis has homered. Morel has also homered. But uh, last night was a rare win in one of Christopher Morrell's uh, games where he homered. Right. He, um, the, one of the astounding things about Christopher Morrell is just how hard he's hitting the ball. Yeah. Um, I think his average exit velocity, I had it here a second ago. Oh, his hard hit rate is 63.3%. League average is 38%. And his 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 BABIP batting average on balls in play is 429. You're like, well, yeah, he's got nine home runs. Home runs don't count; they are not in play. They don't count right. towards your BABIP. But anyway, if you think how fluky his 429 batting average on balls in play is, that's about what Ian Happ's was batting right-handed last year. When everybody's like, oh, look, it's fixed. He's now he can hit right-handed. It's like, well, or he got really lucky. Right. And that's looks like that's what happened. Now they just need to teach Morel to play a position. Honestly, his best position is third. It wasn't, weren't his throws really bad last year from third? Probably. But, uh, I think they're pretty wild. I think that was the how issue. How many of them went towards Frank Schwindel? Yeah, that's a good point, too. That was basically throwing it at a guy with a frying pan in his hand. How's he doing in Japan? Oh, I'm sure you're doing great. They have, do they have obvious shirts for Frank where everything's in kanji? <laughs> That'd be really funny if they started like a Japanese, uh, like a Japanese outlet for, for just for Schwindel. Send all the Schwindy City shirts. <laughs> I, uh, I joke that even when they were printing those up, like the Schwizdom and stuff, I'm like, there's yeah. going to be an earthquake in Haiti and somebody's going to go shoot the wreckage and all the refugees are going to be wearing Schwizdom shirts. Because Joe sent him down there. I got plenty of these. The Mer- they might have overstocked the Mervis shirts. They might have overstocked the gas money shirts. Have you seen those? Do you even know what that is? <laughs> Didn't they? Wasn't that because they uh, there was a typo or something when they were typing in Yon Gomes? Yeah, I think so, not every idea is a good idea. No, he printed up a bunch, <laughs> and then I made fun of it on Twitter. And then um, I even said, who is the market for this? And some people tweeted me back, like, me. And I'm like, okay, why? And no one would say why. I, I, I think so. I like Dude, that Some people guy. just buy I, I, every I, shirt. 
Oh, I got to get this one now. Like, why? Jan wouldn't wear one of those. It's a weird thing. You don't, yeah, like, he's a good dude, and I, I like that guy's business, but every idea is not a good no. idea. Like, every idea you think of. And honestly, I, people mean- people think I'm, like, shitting on him. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, like, intrigued about, like, the business model. Because, like, when I come up with a dumb shirt idea, I put it on the Decipio store, and it doesn't get printed unless somebody buys it. Like, I don't have, you can see my fabulous basement. I don't have boxes of shirts back here. But he does. He has to print thousands of gas money shirts. They what do the it hell? On their own. They, like, yeah, they have, like, a place they do it at. But they they print it up just themselves. Like, I know. So I was talking to guys. But if you go in the store, they got lots of everything, which means yeah. they made them. They got sunk cost in some of that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, some of it's like. I think I, I may, be, I might be wrong. I think I shamed him out of the Mash Mervis shirts where they had the M and the asterisk and the S and the asterisk. I'm like, do you know that's no, good for? Oh, do they? Because I'm like, you know, that stands for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. That doesn't right. have anything to do with that other than maybe is, is he oft injured? Is that why we're going with the Mash Mervis? No, they still have them there. Oh, um, well, he printed a bunch. You can't get rid of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I give him credit, though. He's kind of, you know, he found that kind of, like, he jumped on that, that Cubs fans will literally buy anything. Yep. And I think that's what the gas money shirt. The gas money shirts are actually, like, kind of a good part of the business model, like a test to see, like, okay, what kind of shit will people buy if I just print this up? Like, what's the level at? Like, the stupidest, like, I mean, do you need, did you really need to make Hayden Wisniewski shirts? Like, is West, he good enough West for a shirt? Yeah, I mean, I think if they come up with a pun they like, they'll just do it, even if the player sucks. Like, they should do magical ones and see if, like, that, like, you know what I mean? Like, just to see, like, that would be the ultimate test if they made, like, Nikki two strike shirts and see if, like, you could find in some people to buy them. I have a med- I have a magical shirt in my shop, and it's it's a sign that says you must be this tall to hit a major league fastball, and he's under it. <clears throat> No one's bought one, but I have it. I didn't even buy one for myself. But it's there. Go in there, use code. No, I don't give promo codes for that. Do you know if you use the promo code Discipio at Avi Shirts, you get 20% off? Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Still I good. Do that. It still works. Um, what's going on? There's. What's going on with the game broadcasts? Do you want. I don't know how many. I don't know. How often you watch Marquee, but it's really weird this year, even more than normal. Right? Isn't one of the things they're doing now is like focusing on the other team? Is that yes. what's gotten you? Yeah, well, yeah, in weird ways, and not even in good. Like they'd have something in like the sixth inning. I don't even remember who sponsored. I'm sure, let's just say it's Prevagen because they sponsor everything over there. And it's supposed to be like a clutch moment or something. And I think the idea was it was going. Maybe they ran out of them for the Cubs, so they got to use the other team. But during the Cardinals series, they did. They showed a Paul Goldschmidt home run against Cuba in the World Baseball Classic. And it's like, okay, that's that's pretty random. That's a while ago. And did you see the Cuba game? Because the U.S. won like 11-2. to two. How clutch was his first inning home run? They do that. Um, Joe Girardi is parachuting in quite a bit to do three-man boosts. And I actually don't really mind Joe. I think yeah, Joe cool. and JD actually have a pretty good like rapport, and yeah. Joe will talk about it from like a strategy or a catcher standpoint, and he'll he asks a lot of questions of Jim. Um, but Boog has this like weirdly competitive thing with Joe, where he'll like try to argue strategy with. He comes armed with data that he's looked up, and he tries to argue with Joe, and Joe does the best to go. Um, not only did I win a World Series as a player, I won one as a manager. And could you just not? But it's strange. And um, I like Boog. I honestly think I think it was the best they could have done when Len said enough of this shit and left to go into his do his sabbatical or wherever he is. <laughs> <laughs> Boog's really talky this year. Like he doesn't yeah. stop talking, ever. I've noticed that. And it's like, ah. Uh, and then they just, I love it, when, especially when they have the three-man booth, and then they go to Taylor like seven times during a game. So you get four people talking at once. It's, it's literally the naked gun when they pan the press box, <laughs> and every announcer is there 
that's they're trying to cram that in um, and you notice it on um, on Sundays or when Boog misses his flight to Houston and Pat fills in now Pat is doing and I don't blame him for this he's a Hall of Famer now he can do whatever he wants but Pat does a radio call on TV <laughs> Yeah, and I don't blame like, him. He's he's a cameoing. He's not going to change his whole style. He's just going to do a Pat Hughes game. That's what you sign up for. And so he's he's telling you like pitch location. It's like yeah, Pat. It's televised. We saw it. But even Pat lets the game when he's doing radio. Pat, there's more like kind of. It's not dead air because it's a baseball game. It, it's nice when they don't talk and you just like hear the ballpark sounds and stuff. And you get none of that anymore with Boo. He is cramming every second. I, I don't know if it's the pitch clock. It's like hurried him to the point where he's he's still writing nine pages of notes and he's going to cram all the shit in and now he's only got two and a half hours instead of three and a half. But it's like, just let's take a breath. And then a lot of times he's just talking about his shoes, which really is exciting for everybody. And then awkwardly trying, he's done this at least twice, awkwardly trying to get his leg up on the counter so he can show the camera guy. And he's over there and he can't quite do it. <laughs> Somebody needs to sponsor shoe cam that just goes under the desk, and he pat into poor Boog doesn't have to try to you know risk a heart attack by lifting his leg above his head. I uh, they should they should bring the whole they should bring Coom and Zach into the booth <laughs> next time, and just let them all just let the and whole thing. There's two rows in there. They could have a they could just do a double row. Um, bring back the, bring back the fax machine. Yes. JD's always joking about, you know, he, he likes the strike zone graphic and he tries to pick which Hollywood Square star would have been in it. Just actually do just do the Hollywood Squares broadcast. Bring Chester in. Bring Brian Sweeney in. All the studs. Let's get them all at once. I did, uh, I was going to say, I was talking to you. I told you I'm working on this uh, Pat Hughes Story for the Hall of Fame, and I was talking to him, and you would you would appreciate the line where he goes, uh, "I love to make Zach laugh." It's like I live to make Zach laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about. I was talking about people though um, about the fax machine. I was like, "Why did you they have a fax machine in that booth?" I don't understand. Was that like uh, was that in every radio booth at the time? I don't know. Did Theirs was like everything else though on WGN. It was sponsored, and then once it got sponsored. They not only had it, they had to use it. And like a lot of those faxes, as, as Matt Boltz, the producer, said, he was pretty sure they were made up by people that like either probably work for the Tribune or the Cubs, or like <laughs> just like just liked hearing Ron Sano read like fake faxes. Last night on the broadcast, you know, Marquee will show tweets. Yeah, they had one from Sutcliffe, and it was great. It was a perfect Sutcliffe tweet because I don't know what it was. It was like after. Maybe after Mervis's home run, he was all excited, but he went to try to tag Watch Marquee, but all he wrote was, you know, the at W-A-T. And then he's obviously auto-fill, didn't, fill, didn't finish it for him. So it just goes at Watt at the end of the tweet. You see what Sully had, uh, Sully made up uh, like a Sutcliffe level of excitement, like, like a Sutcliffe scale. <laughs> I know what the... And it was, uh, yeah, I know the yeah. low one is Ildemaro is the Ildemaro Vargas zone. That's just pissed off Sutcliffe. <laughs> Spent one whole series in San Diego last year screaming at Ildemaro Vargas. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Rick, this doesn't matter. I hate to tell you, they're not going to win yeah. a pennant this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, the um. So I don't really mind the three-man booth with when it's Joe. Uh, I don't ever need it to be Dempster. And not just because I don't ever need it to be Dempster. You don't need two pitchers in the booth. Right. I mean, what? I didn't like, you know, I thought when Joe first started last year, there was, I thought he was dominating the conversation a little too much because Jim's not going to, like, pounce and Jim's so dry. Right. You know, I thought he was too, and even a little bit this year. But then, I, you're right, I noticed that, Joe's made more of an effort to like let Jim talk. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> last year he was only going to do the one series, but they were coming to Miami and he still lives there. And he just kind of like invited himself. 
for the no series. no he was supposed to, he was supposed to do that because I talked to him oh that's right? the one so he he but he talked he himself he into another one right where they added him for another right series? No, he, said, okay. he said like he told me he's like I'm gonna do this one and then I'm gonna do the Miami one just because I'm there oh okay um, maybe that's like, what I that was planned but um yeah I mean I think he's good I mean he's really good and that's like, always the thing about Joe is that as a manager he's like a walking heart attack you know he's so stressed and he's giving everyone else such anxiety. Yeah. But then when he's not managing, he's like the chillest, like most normal person in the world. He's just like, I wonder if he's ever going to manage. I wonder if he's going to manage anymore, yeah. or if this is just going to be his new. What's he going to do know? with all the binders? Yeah, I don't know. He's, and his daughter's like a star basketball player. Mm. She's like a big Division One recruit, and his kid plays baseball. Um. I don't understand why I'm going to do this. I, I always think of it like halfway through a broadcast. I'm going to take like a one entire series and I'm going to chart the Taylor McGregor hits, how many there are and what, what she talks about. Um, and I know that being the dugout reporter is not an easy job. Um, but I think Marquis completely misuses it. Like the whole idea behind having somebody down there is, to have like a set of eyes at field level and maybe point stuff out that doesn't necessarily even make like like Taylor just tells the producer whoever they are this is what happened and then it makes it onto the broadcast um, I know when uh, Kevin Burkhardt did that for SNY basically their producer said you might not be on at all in this broadcast you know, we may not have, we may not go live to you. We've got three guys in the booth, but we might need some info from you. Or if things get out of hand, we may go to you a bunch because now we got to fill time. But they seem they... to prescribe things. It doesn't matter what's going on in the game. They missed an entire, uh, like, they missed a big at bat in a game against the Cardinals. They didn't miss it. She talked through the whole at bat because it was her right. turn to talk. And it's like that. That's not good TV. Yeah, I don't think they need it. I mean, you know what's funny is the White Sox cut that out, and you don't miss it. No. You really don't. I mean, it's just you don't miss that that part of the broadcast. No offense. I like Taylor, but, like, I just don't think you really need it to make a good baseball broadcast. I think, the, you know, remember the Sox used to do it with Garfine. Yeah. And then they realized that he's actually, like, much better doing pre and post. Yeah. Well, ironically, it was last weekend, right? Taylor did pre and post because they must have given Cole the weekend off. The pre- and post-game show was better with her on it than it is with could, Cole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cole's like, Cole should be like, a, I mean, he came from NFL Network. That's what he's, he's really good at. Like, you know, the old kind of jokey, sports centery kind of highlight type stuff. He can do that well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she was like pretty good in the, she's fine. I could see her being good in the post-game. Who'd she do it with? Um... Was it Sweeney? God, I don't remember. I only watched a couple segments of it, but I immediately thought this is a better use of her than, yeah, you know, sideline Barbie. It's, yeah. but to me, it's more a case of they clearly force it into the broadcast. Like we're going to do yeah. it five times. Why? And she's got to come up with stuff to do and like you know, prepackaged things to talk about. And obviously, we always you know you make fun of her about the. You guys must have liked it. Last year, she was like reading stuff out of the athletic right on the air and not attributing it. We, we, <laughs> it's like, we, I think we, I read that this morning, Taylor. <laughs> I also like it when she's like, I talk to, and you realize that she talked to them in like a scrum. But she gives the impression right. that she had like this one on one with, and then or later the, in the post game, they'll like show an interview from earlier, and you see her like standing in the background with everybody else. Like, yeah, you talked to him, and so did everybody else. <laughs> But that must they be a marquee do... thing because Elise used to do that too, and now they don't do it. So at some point they must have said, "All right, we're not doing that anymore. We're getting crap from somebody." Yeah, I think they're. I mean, I know for a fact, like part of their broadcast stuff, they were to have talked to someone there that was like, "Yeah, like the past couple of years, we've just been spinning plates because the team was bad. Like, yeah. what are we going to talk about now?" It's, you know, I think they're happy that the, at least for a while the team was competitive. We'll see if they can come back to that and actually be competitive again. They're a red hot ten and twenty since they left Oakland. 
Patrick Wisdom's hitting like yep. one one eighty six since that series. Madrigal's like in the two twenties since that. Two twenty, really? Well, I mean, his overall air. He was hitting three when they left Oakland. He was hitting three forty five. Now he's hitting uh, yeah, two forty eight, right. I think. Yeah, I mean, is I don't know. Where do you think he ends up? Mexico. <laughs> I feel like he's already played for both major league teams that think he's good. That thought he was good at one point. He could play for Oakland. They trade him. He there. could actually play for Oakland. Uh, Tampa would probably fix him. He'd probably hit like three seventy with the Rays. Yeah. The Giants have really struggled at second base. I think it was Grant Brisby tweeted out that they had one eighty one or whatever, and I'm like, that's nothing that a quick trade for Nick Madrigal wouldn't fix. Right. So if that happens, uh, Farhan could thank me for it. Um, okay, last thing. Um, I feel like the Cubs are going to find themselves in a really awkward trade deadline spot where, like Jed's nightmare, they're going to be just, you can't fall out of the wildcard race in the National League. You just physically can't do it because there aren't enough good teams for wildcard teams. But you can be so far out that it's very clear you're not really pushing towards anything. And my fear is that they'll be too far out to realistically be contending for anything, but afraid to sell because of how it looks and because they've done it for the last few years. And so they they don't trade Cody Bellinger. We'll get a draft pick for him. And they don't trade Marcus Stroman because, like, oh, maybe we'll sign an extension, which they clearly don't want to. They would have already extended him if they were going to do that because he wants to stay and he doesn't have a contract. And it's that's my fear is that they we sit there going, you're not playing for anything. But they're like, we can't sell. The fans get mad when we sell. Well, guess what? The fans are going to get mad if you don't. They're going to pull a Bulls and, like, you know, third wild card play in is like a goal. And then they can, I mean, it, yeah, they, they would love to have a playoff game just to say they played and say they're back in the playoffs. So, like, 100%. I, I think Mooney wrote it today or yesterday that, like, yeah, they're like, you know, a sell off could be in the horizon. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I agree with you. I think, I think this is the year they just say, screw it. We'll just keep it, you know, keep a pick. And we're going to go for it and try to pick at that third wild card. They'll be like four games out of the third wild card spot, or something. And then, yeah, make that through the kind of low ceiling. Well, maybe they can do this. Up. They can do what they did last year. They can win eleven of their last thirteen when it didn't matter and nobody was paying attention. And then they can act like they had all this momentum that was somehow going to carry over through the whole offseason. All right. Well, thank you, John. It's always a pleasure to oh, talk to you. Always good. Good times. Many of us have herpes. 